0: What precedes confidence? If confidence is the foundation, what's below the foundation? What gets you to confidence? So I think a lot of us are like, I don't know if I do believe in myself, or I don't know if I do believe or have the confidence that this new business is going to work. I don't know if I really believe that I have what it takes. Like, I'm just a normal person. Like, Brooke, I get it. You're like a freaking star, but I'm just a normal person. So what What precedes confidence? My friends, it's Courage.
1: Hi, I'm Brooke Raybold. I'm a high achieving mama with a Georgetown MBA who said no to the corporate world and yes to herself. Trained by two of the top business schools in the country, I fell in love with entrepreneurship and embarked on the biggest startup of my life, my family. Drowning in diapers and laundry, I bootstrapped my way to building a six-figure online business where I was paid to be myself. And now I'm on a mission to help women ditch the mom memes and build the life they were created for. Whether you're a stay at home mom looking to optimize your routines and carve out a little something for yourself, or the savvy woman wanting to do it all, I will break down the systems and strategies that help busy moms get big results. Step on into my stay at home office and welcome to the At Home Startup Podcast. Today's guest on the At Home Startup Podcast is someone that I came across. I was going through something, I had shared something online, and I believe I got attacked for the way that I was looking at it, for toxic positivity, and someone had sent me something by a guy named Justin Prince, and they said, I feel like you could use what he has to say. Pretty soon, I was just enamored and captured by this man's energy. He often talks about Personal accountability in the subject matters of creating happiness, health, and wealth for your life. His tagline is that he teaches entrepreneurs how to create a life by design and earn a living from their phones. And you know, with this podcast, the goal of it was to help, you know, primarily women. Understand that their role in motherhood was to be one that was empowering, that you could be a mom, you could be a parent, and you could show up and create a state of life that was just great. Uh, But like Justin and I will talk about, you're not ignorant to the hardships of motherhood, but rather you face the realities head on with solutions rather than complaints or ever staying in a state of feeling unfulfilled and so i'm so excited to talk to justin we have some great conversation coming up and he is just a wealth of encouragement motivation inspiration i encourage you to apply this to your state of motherhood and if you're interested in the entrepreneurial side apply it to that side as well. But overall, Justin approaches life in just such a dynamic way. And I know that you'll learn so much from this conversation. So welcome, Justin Prince, to the At Home Startup Podcast. Justin, thank you for being on the At Home Startup Podcast. I discovered your Instagram account, and I'm always looking for high-performance Coaches through Instagram. I'm a mom, I'm an entrepreneur, and I feel like those two intercross consistently. You know, what you're doing as an entrepreneur is very consistent, I believe, with what you're doing as a parent. But I feel like there's not a lot of high performance strategy when it comes to parenting. So I'm always out on the internet, you know, looking at high performance coaches and what they're doing. And so I want you to talk about your journey as an entrepreneur, kind of where you had come from and how you had created this entrepreneurial opportunity for yourself. And I know that you are a father as well, so I'd love to talk about how those two paths collide and how you can take, you know, what you do in entrepreneurship and what, you know, your coaching strategies and how those translate into parenthood.
0: You know, first of all, what a great kind of question and introduction. Super honored to be with you. I love what you're doing. Love the value you're adding for so many people. I've had friends call me and they'll say, because I, I feel like I would be known more for like my business stuff, but I have friends call me. They're like, dude, do you like a coaching cor- <laughs> or like a coaching course on like being a parent. I'm like, man, just, I said, it's really simple. I said, number one, marry, marry Missy. That's, that's step one. Step two, have amazing kids. And step three, don't blow it. Those are the three steps. So no. So, I, I came from a broken home at age 12. My parents got divorced. I lived at home with my mom. So I was the oldest at home with my single mom. I had single parents. We moved 13 times in the seven years through the teenage years. You know, I had really no professional background. I was making pizzas, doing construction work. I got into selling cartoon Bible videos at a mall. I tease people, the mall, if you're really young and you don't know what, you know, you don't know what a mall is. Malls where all of us old people used to go when the Amazon was a river. Okay. So we'd hang out at the mall and we would, we would walk around and there's these kiosk workers that would try to, you try to like avoid eye contact with. And that was me. That was my job. You know, I sold these Bible videos out of a mall kiosk and I had no college education. What I did have was big dreams and big goals. And I really wanted to become somebody when I grew up. When I was, uh, I got married relatively young. I was 22 years old, got married 23. 13 months later, we have this little baby. And so when I'm 25, I, I'm working at the mall, but I also, Man, I was just like, how do you find the right opportunity? You know, and how do you, what do you do? And I was introduced to becoming an entrepreneur. I started my first business at 25. It was so interesting. I, I, I succeeded on one hand, but the company we were distributing the, their products, one day they were in business, one day they weren't. So we literally lost everything overnight. So I, I, the whole business was toast in, in like 24 hours. It was below zero financially, back on credit cards, back on taxes. At one point, I moved my pregnant wife and now two kids into the loft above my wife's parents' garage. So I'm 26, 27 years old. I'm a grown man. I live in the United States of America. And I have two kids sleeping in the closet. My wife sleeps in in this little loft. And I'm working two part-time jobs. And I start another business to kind of like chase the dream to become free as an entrepreneur. And man, there was many nights. <laughs> you're, you're like to your wife, like, are you awake? It's like one in the morning. She's like, yeah. She's like, are you awake? It's pitch black in your room. And, and I said... Am I crazy? Like, am I chasing a fake dream? I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that. You're just like, I know it's possible for other people. I don't know if it's going to be possible for me. And I ultimately went on to build a multi million dollar business with that particular business, traveled all over the world, spoke all over the world. I remember I was 29, I was speaking in Moscow and Umsk, Russia, and Amadi, Kazakhstan. I was kind of this keynote speaker all throughout the former Soviet Union. And I was speaking for 6,000 people at these companies' conventions. I was just like, what is happening? And so I got to a point where I ended up selling that business at age 30. I did private equity consulting for two years, and then my current business. I came into a company It was a 25 year old company. It had had eight years of declining revenue, so for eight years, it had been going the wrong direction, double digits per year decline. So it was like spiraling quickly out of it, you know out of uh, out of business. And we came in as part of a, a consulting team to help them transform this company. We literally tore to the floorboards and rebuilt this business. And in that process. You know, we created a, a business model called Social Retail. It was basically a sharing model where we could pay independent entrepreneurs for referring customers to our site. And uh, over the last, you know, we're about to start year nine, uh, but over the last eight years, we've acquired over 4 million customers. We've done over 2.4 billion in revenue. And and it's turned into this really this incredible business. You know, it's crazy now because I like, have 100 million plus views on social media and you've spoken in 30 countries. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? You know? <laughs> And all of that while raising a family. So we have four kids. We had six pregnancies, four kids. We had four for four C-sections. One was a miscarriage. One was a stillborn birth and the other two. And so one of the things I teach people is you can't manage time, but you can manage priorities. And so it's more of a priority management issue than a time management issue. People say, how do you, in essence, get it all done? Or how do you create balance? Or how do you keep your marriage together, keep your family together when you're here, you know, when you're ambitious and you're chasing some of your, your business or financial goals? And the first thing I think that we have to do is we have to say, we have to create a priority list. And so for me, my family is number one on my priority list, but there's not even a close second. (laughs) There was like my, my relationship with my wife. I believe that, that, you know, I heard a wise man say years ago that no success outside the home can compensate for failure inside the home. So I, I really believe that, you know, my role as a husband and as a father is my most important roles, you know? So that's, that's the first thing. And so, from there, then you start building. It's what I teach. Is I'll show this with the quickly. It's what I call a five by five. So first thing is you get your five by five priorities. What are your top five priorities? Uh, Jim Collins talks about if you have more than five priorities, you don't have any priorities. So in other words, you can't say I have a thousand priorities. Like what are your top five? And you get really dialed in with your top five. So the next five. So the, the first five is is the priority. So in this case, it'd be like it'd be like family or marriage, or whatever, or business. It'd be like a, a bucket, you know, a category. But then you get into the second five, which is what I call your highest impact actions. So your HIAs, your highest impact actions are what are the five things that I can do in that specific category? So in your case, if family dinner is important, if that's one of the highest impact actions that you could do, then what you do is you schedule that stuff into your calendar first. So I'll give you guys an example. I'll give you like a marriage example. You know, we've been married this January will be 20 years and I'm not an expert on marriage, but you know, I've, I've been doing it for 20, <laughs> 20 years, you know, with, with, with one marriage. So we're, I guess we're doing pretty, pretty well. So I'll give you, I'll give you five. You could make your own five, but this hopefully will kind of get your mind thinking about it. Right. So let me give you five. Number one, let's say that you said once a week, we schedule in a date night, we just make it happen. Right. And I know that it's busy with kids and dance and basketball and practice and even just your own life, you got 57 things happening. Once your businesses, you know, we got all these things happening, but you just schedule that in. So that's number one. Number two, you say, we're going to have emotional and physical connections. So when we see each other, we're going to hold hands. We're going to give each other a hug. We're not going to be physically intimate, but we'll also have emotional connection because you guys know how to, sometimes you can sit on the same couch and have no emotional connection. You can be 2000 miles away from each other, traveling on business, and you can have emotional connection because there's, there's an emotional connection. Number three is we're going to communicate. More than hey, are you gonna take the kids to practice? Hey, what's for dinner? Hey, how are you doing? Like, actually, take time, like schedule time to just just communicate like a human being, you know. And actually, like, how are you? And tell me, you know, what's going on? And what do you, you know? How how did that make you feel? So, like, take time to communicate. Four would be um, looking for ways to praise, like positive words. So maybe you say on four, you say listen, I just want you to tell you how much I love you, you know, or whatever it is. So you're looking for ways to say positive things. And then five would be looking for ways to serve. So I'll give you an example. Like as a dad, maybe you sit, you just come home, you, just, you know, you do the dishes without being told to do the dishes, or maybe you fold some laundry without being told to, or maybe you pick up all the boxes in the garage and you take them to the dumpster without being asked to. The point is you're looking for ways to serve. So let's say you did those five things. And I'm not saying there's not other things that we could be or should be doing. For example, family dinner might be one that's for you. It's just non-negotiable. We make it happen. But let's say you did those five. Man, if you did those five consistently over time, you're going to have probably a pretty darn good relationship. Now, it doesn't mean there's not other things to do, but man, those are the five. So the way I think about it is this. We all know the 80-20 principle, the 80-20 rule, which is that 20% of what we do produces 80% of the of the impact or the the results we're looking for. So. I try and leverage that curve. So imagine if, if 20% does 80, well, then 10% does 90 and 5% does 95. So 5% of your actions create 95% of the impact.
1: So you're kind of just like hyper compressing it. So you're getting the greatest outcome for the most like effective focused work that you're putting yes, in.
0: That's exactly right. And I try to do that in all
1: areas. I mean, I have so many questions on this topic and like, are you... And I, because I feel like I'm similar to you. And sometimes I question, I'm like, some people just don't operate or want to operate in this way as well. I think I have a hard time, especially in the parenting world, you know, with moms and I personally, you know, I want to grow. And I think parenting teaches you so much about growth. And like you said, compression of your time and focusing it to get those results with the time that you have how do you do that as the women who don't think that they can or that they should implement that into their lives? Do you have anything to say about that? Like, do you really think that these practice, I think these practices help immensely, like transformative. What would be the first step for the person that maybe is doubting themselves that they can do these things that we do because they see us so far ahead and go, they're just light years beyond
0: So let me say this. The foundation of your success is confidence. Foundation of your success is believing in yourself. Do you believe in you? But let me say this. What precedes confidence? If confidence is the foundation, what's below the foundation, what gets you to confidence? So I think a lot of us are like, I don't know if I do believe in myself, or I don't know if I do believe or have the confidence that this new business is going to work. I don't know if I really believe that I have what it takes. Like, I'm just a normal person. Like Brooke, I get it. You're like a freaking star, but I'm just a normal person. So what, what precedes confidence? My friends, it's courage. So courage precedes confidence. How do you build confidence? You start with just courage. You start with just the desire of like, huh, I'm going to put myself out there and start a new business. Even though I don't know if I fully have the confidence that I can do it. I'm going to, I'm going to start stepping into this like person. And I tell people, you're not who you are. You are who you were born to be. And so you were born to become this person. And so you start stepping into that person. Because think about it this way, when you were t- 17, yes, you were 17, but you weren't 17. You were, you were the person you were born to become. So you were the poor, you were the, t- when you're 27, you're not only 27, you're the, you're the person that you're born to become. So you're always chasing that version of yourself that is that best version. So the first thing is start with courage. If you don't have a lot of confidence yet, start with courage. When you build confidence or when you build courage, when you, you know, take courage, that'll build confidence. Confidence will lead to commitment. You know, where there is no confidence, there is no commitment. That'll lead to your consistency and your commitment. That'll lead to your competency, which is your skill sets increase. And you want to build skills above your talent. This is part of what I would share with, you know, one of your listeners It's like, I don't know if I have what it takes. You may not have what it takes right now. That's okay. But you can build new skills that will give you what it takes. So you can build skills above your talent. And then all of it's built on the backbone of character, you know, your, your personal integrity and your personal character. So let me, let me go back to another question that you asked. I think it's really, I think it's really important. You start with courage, that will give you the confidence. But then you say, how do I start to, you know, put myself out there and start to kind of go for it? And are you guys different? Listen, it's all about habits. It's all about shifting habits. So I'll give you guys an example. Aristotle says, excellence is not an act, it's a habit. Says, therefore we are what we repeatedly do. So it's not about doing something once, it's the habit. So my friends, here's the good news, is you can shift habits. (laughs) Any one of us can, like, you you can shift habits habit shifting if you want it to stick comes from the update of your identity so the update of your identity will always be consistent with the way that we see ourselves over time you'll never outperform the way you see yourself if you see yourself as a loser you're not going to show up and play like a winner if you see yourself as a winner you're not going to roll over and quit like a loser james clear wrote the book atomic habits so good one of the one of the best you know and he tells a story about two young boys one of them stole the candy and they say to the first child, did you steal the candy? The kid said, I did not steal it. They said to the next child, they said, did you steal the candy? And the son of the little boy says, I do not steal. So I didn't steal that particular piece versus I don't steal are different identities. And you'll always be consistent over time with the way that you see yourself. You'll never outperform the way you see yourself. So part of it, like Brooke, when I hear, and I know you're using this as a, a, almost like a fictitious example, but I know, I think it's a real example, which is like, well, Brooke, you know, you are you. I'm just me, and I could never figure it out. That's an identity. <laughs> you know, it's like we got to update that stuff, you know. And by updating that, then we create new habits that reinforce this new updated version of yourself. You say I can figure things out because I do have courage. I can figure things out because I can build new competencies, new skill sets. Like start updating the way you look at yourself, and all of a sudden you say you. Because then what will happen? You start stringing the wins, stringing the habits together, and all of a sudden you literally turn into a different person.
1: I love that. So would you, when you're trying to figure out that identity, you know, how do you identify yourself? Is there, do you have a practice that you do in terms of like writing things down as well? Is it back to that, you know, the writing the five things down so that you get those priorities and then the priorities kind of shape your identity Do those tie together?
0: Yeah, I I teach it from a different angle. I'll give you a couple quick steps. First thing that's super simplistic and something we could all do today. Is write down three aspirational words that describe your future best self. So if you are casting out, here's who I'm trying to become, here's the few, here's the best version of me. Sometimes we we like, I don't know if you've ever had those things like you show up and you just knock it out and you're like, dang, that was pretty awesome. Like I was I was crushing it right there. Then you have other times you're like, that was not awesome. I was not crushing that. So your future best version of yourself, like show up as that version, you know, that that aspirational version of who you're trying to become. That would be one example. Another one, I think that you could do that we could all really work on. Most people hang out with who they hang out with. Really successful people proactively find and search out and and create relationships with people that they want to hang out with. Do You guys see the difference there? So we just like just like, they're just my friends, you know? It's like no, dude, we're adults now. We get to pick this stuff, you know. And one of the things Brooke, that I think we can do to, that will help shift your identity is to surround yourself with people that are further down the path than you. They make you think bigger. You know, when you get around those kind of people, all you're like, God, who do I have? To, like, I wanna like, who do I have to become to become more like them? You know, like, you have to, like step into this next better version of yourself. And that's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. You know, it's, if they say that birds of a feather flock together, they say that you hang out with nine losers, you'll be the 10th. My friends, if you hang out with nine freaking awesome rock stars, you'll probably be the 10th too. So you start surrounding yourself with different people and then I'll leave you with one last one, Brooke. There's a lot on the words that you say, so you know how to. Sometimes we think stupid thoughts. Sometimes it's even hard to control your thoughts. I know it's possible, but man, that's like a level of like step up level of like personal development, like you can control your thoughts, dude. But guess what? You can control. You can control the words that come out of your mouth, and there's been studies. uh, Christine Porath did this both at Georgetown and at Harvard that basically said that you're neutral or positive words, neutral is just, you know, they're just basically neutral words or positive words that they have 10 times the impact of a thought. So it's one thing to think I can do it. It's another thing to say it out loud. I freaking got this. Like, let's go It increases the likelihood 10 X. If you speak positive. Now here's the flip side of this. That's 10 X negative words have 40 to 70 times the impact of a thought. So if all you're doing is whining, blaming, complaining, making excuses, telling yourself like, dude, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I'm smart enough. If I know enough people, all of that has 40 to 70 times the impact of just thinking it in the likelihood of you accomplishing it. So one thing that you can do is you can completely tighten up the way you talk. (laughs) You can just say, listen, only speak life into your future. Don't speak death. Like life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's one of those old Bible verses, which is so interesting because these stats would actually validate that. And I share with people, create your future with your future, not your past. So you create your future with your future. In other words, a lot of us try and create our future with, yeah, but you, you don't understand where I came from. Like, here's all the pains I've been through. Here's all the hurts. Here's, I've failed at these three things. What if you created your future with your future version of yourself? You created your future with the person you're born to become. What if you created your future and only spoke like life into that like i could do this i can make these things happen that's a discipline that you can do because it's hard to control your thoughts all the time but you can always control your words
1: i fully agree and i went through that in my life where my life in my teens it turned negative and the words i was saying you know my thoughts my words and then my dad woke me up to this reality and he's like you you didn't used to talk this way and right then and there it was like I'm I'm going to be positive. I read, you know, The Secret and it was like, you know, what you think and what you say. What do you think? Because from that point forward, I was more positive. I saw my life completely transform. What do you say to the culture of people that talk about toxic positivity? What's your thought on that? I'm curious because I get this a lot. They're like, you're too positive, you know? And I'm like, I guess I don't understand because I knew the state of my life when I was negative, whether it was thought or word or action. And so I'm like, it's something that you can control. So if you can control it, why wouldn't you, you know, hold yourself accountable to at least see things in a positive light? Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll share this. So as a leader, leader in your home, leader in your marriage, leader in your business, leader in your uh, employment situation. Our job is to find the reality. So what's the reality? The reality is not better than it is or worse than it is. So everything's fine. Like, don't worry, guys. Or like, oh, my gosh, the, we're screwed. Like, no, no. What's the reality? We got to find the reality. So if the ship is sinking and we're just like, keep playing the violin on the top, like, don't worry about it. Then I think if that's what toxic positivity is, I, I actually am not an expert on that subject. But if that's what it is, then, yeah, then like you should, probably shouldn't do that. What I tell people is you want to find the reality, a leader finds the reality. A leader calls things as they are. It's the reality. The reality might be, here's the struggles we're facing, guys. Here's the pains we're going through. Here's the challenges. By the way, share with me the challenges you're seeing too. Let's call them as they are. Let's not exaggerate them worse, let's not exaggerate them, you know, better or worse. Let's just call them as they are. Let's find the reality. That's step 1. And then we go make things happen. We lay out plans like I like Tony Robbins talks about like, there is no weeds. There is no weeds. There is no weeds. He's like, no, let's go pull out the weeds. Like if there's weeds, we got to address it and go pull them out. So I'm, I'm not like, just be positive. But let me say this. Let me say the flip side of this. I've sat in in boardrooms, even with our business, this is, so our business now, we've done 2.4 billion in revenue. And this is when we were like, literally, it's what's called a watershed moment. Watershed means the water's coming, like the raindrops coming down like this. And it's going to hit the shed and go left or go right. It's like, if it goes right, we're out of business. If it goes left, we're going to stay in the same business a number of years ago. So stakes are as high as they can get at this point. You know, it's just super stressful. And you could very easily be like, we're screwed. We are screwed. It's not going to work. Like, you know, this and this and this and this and this are all going against us. Which, by the way, those are part of the things you have to calculate in of what's happening in the business. But I remember sitting around the boardroom and I remember thinking, I'm not going to say out loud that we're screwed. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not going to do it. Cause I'm not going to speak that that into the future of what we're doing. Like I'm not, it, will, it will continue to like create a spiral in this room. So what I did instead, I said, we're smart. And I said, we're well-intentioned. And I said, I started asking, I said, what questions are we not asking? Well, saying we're smart and well-intentioned maybe is positive, but what questions are we not asking is a good way to find reality. Like what is, what guys, what are we missing here? And so we started to ask new questions, new questions. I tell people, upgrade the quality of your questions. You upgrade the quality of your life. You start asking new questions, new questions, led to new answers, new answers. We're like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought of that yet. Let's, let's chase that. Remember this also, ideas lead to ideas. So even bad ideas can lead to the right idea because you're like, that's a good idea. That's not the idea, but that's a good one. And then that one leads to one, which leads to one, which all of a sudden you come up with the right idea, you know? So as I look back at that. Was that toxic positivity to say we're smart, we're well-intentioned, we have, you know, like in other words, we're not, we're doing these for the right reasons. Let's get focused on the things that we can control. What, what questions are we not asking? What have we learned from our past failures? Like that's to me, that's just like, that's just good. <laughs> good
1: it's just business, grit. Right? That's just taking control of the situation rather than one or the other.
0: That's right. So if that's toxic positivity, then I guess I don't. Again, I'm not an expert on all of the, what the nuance about what all the... No, I was,
1: I was curious because I get that often and I'm like, I guess I don't... Yeah, and I agree. You're dealing with the reality of the situation, but then you're choosing to find a solution.
0: Exactly right. Yeah, listen, you could either have what's called a when we have leader or when we have person in the organization. When we have is, well, when we have this and when we have that, and when we have this, then I'll grow. Like when this is fixed, then I'll be I'll be fine when the when it's, you know, different administration in the White House. When we have that, then I'll be no, no, no. You want to be a with what we have leader with what we have is I'm going to grow with what we have. I'm going to succeed with what we have. I'm going to I'm going to become successful with what we have. Doesn't matter if it's the political climate or the economic climate or the, you know, the issues within the company. If we know when we have this fixed, I'll, I'll grow. It's like, no, I'm going to grow with what we have. There's a great scene in Apollo 13 that movie uh, years ago that it's based on a true story, right? So they send up these astronauts into space and then they they call back and they say, Houston, we have a problem. There was a, their spaceship was basically breaking apart. And if they couldn't fix it, they're all going to die. And Tom Hanks is in space. He's one of the characters there. Ed Harris is one of the characters back in mission control. So they're trying to like think through what should we do? And some people are like, there's nothing we can do. These, these, these astronauts are They're, they're, they're all going to die. There's other people who are like, well, we could try this. We could try that. Well, they were saying we could try this. We could try that with, with, Things that the astronauts, they weren't even options, like stuff the astronauts didn't have. So Ed Harris has this great scene in the movie. He grabs a cardboard box and he literally dumps it on the table. like all this, and It's just a bunch of random stuff. There's like a bolt and like some duct tape and like a piece of gum and just whatever. All this random stuff. And he goes, this is what those boys have to work with. This is with what they have. This is what they have. We have to get them home with what they have. And so they had to like start thinking with what we have, how we're going to succeed. And they, they ultimately pulled it off. That's, that's how you want to think about stuff. Like with what I have, how am I going to win?
1: are you planning a disney vacation in the future if you're like most parents you will probably wind up at either disney world or disneyland wearing matching mouse tees and having the time of your life but don't make this mistake and ruin your disney trip like i feel like i did the first time we went to disneyland i did zero research we showed up late I even forgot Vance's shoes and a stroller. I had no idea what to do, and we walked into lines, crowds, overpriced food, and two parks that I did not understand. Fast forward a few years later, and my boys were invited to go to Disney World, our family was, and I said, absolutely not. I do not want to go back to this park spending thousands and thousands of dollars to walk into this type of a situation. But in true parent fashion, I said yes. However, I became committed to cracking the Disney code, And what I discovered was an entire underground playbook of Disney World secrets. And I put all of that into a guide called a mom's guide to Disney World that helps families plan the Disney World vacation of their dreams. And most importantly, it provides you this underground playbook that'll help you bypass some of those hard things about Disney World, like crowds, lines, and overpriced everything. So in the show notes, you can find the link to the guide and I have a code for you. It is Disney discount. That'll give you $15 off. The guide is usually $40. It's actually quite higher than that, but this code will give you the guide for $25. And the guide is not just 80 pages. It is 200 pages full of itineraries, favorite restaurants in Disney, hotels to stay at, everything you need to know to dominate Disney. It sounds listening to what you say is just a, a strong sense of personal accountability, whether it's your business, it's your health. So when you're thinking about maybe someone who isn't of the mindset of you know personal accountability, like how did you get that for yourself? Was it, again, I think it's that shift in mindset, the words that you use, but are there any other things that help you know one get from it's not, my fault to, I can control, you know, what I can to move forward in, you know, all these different aspects of my life. Like, how do you get that?
0: So Brooke, you're like, you're touching on a subject for me that I have so much energy on. It's this idea of personal responsibility. It's what I call rib and raise. And I just want to invite you to think about it this way. So sometimes when you get into the subject of personal accountability, people really want to anchor down hard on, you don't know what's happened to me. And I want you to know, I, I I acknowledge so many people and so many of you have been through really, really genuinely challenging things. So I acknowledge that going into this, but here's what I want you to think about. You want to rid yourself. It's almost like a, a pulley system. Like you rid yourself of all entitlement that someone owes you something that the government owes you something, your parents owe you something, or that someone owes you something. You kind of rid yourself of that. And think about that word rid. Rid is not like you save some of it. Like you just, you just get rid of all of it, you know? But at the same time, you raise your personal responsibility. So you rid yourself of all entitlement. You raise your personal responsibility. Viktor Frankl was, wrote Man's Search for Meaning, and he was hauled off in a Nazi concentration camp. Uh, his wife, his son, she was ultimately murdered in the camp. And they were in Auschwitz. It was, it, it was, it was his lowest, darkest time in human history when you know, it comes to man to man, you know humanity to humanity. And he called it The Gap. He said, no matter what happened to me, no matter what they did to me, they couldn't take away what he called the gap. The gap was the way he responded. It was like he owned that. I mean, so here's a time where people have stripped away. You you are a victim. They've stripped away and you could instantly just be like, you like what is happening? And he said, he's still got to own that gap. So here's another way to think about it. I was probably 12 years old, maybe 13, but I'm sitting in class. I'm in seventh grade. And the teacher, it's a math class, the teacher's talking about whatever. I wasn't listening to anything that poor guy was saying. And I was just having this conversation, I was, like looking out the window and I'm having this conversation as right as my parents are going through this kind of this really life-changing divorce for me for sure as a kid, right? And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, huh, I can like do drugs now. I can like have sex with girls, I can drink beer, I can smoke cigarettes, I don't have to go to school anymore. Like, I, I'm like, dude, I can do whatever the crap I want. And I go for the rest of my life, I can just blame it on my parents. Like this is a pivotal time in my life. I'm a teenager. I was like having this full conversation. I was like, "Yeah, dude, you could do that." Then I had this other part of me, this other like part of my conversation that th- thought to myself, "You can do all those things, but just so you know, it's your life to live. So in other mm-hmm. words, you got to live in the life you create. And so if you do all that, that's fine. But that you can blame it on you can even blame it on your parents if you want. But guess what? You still got to live the life. And I thought, oh man, that's a good point too. And fortunately, I decided to you know take the better path as it were, right? I share that with you to say this. That's as a kid, as a kid deciding like, I'm going to like own my own life. I'm going to take personal responsibility in my own life. I'm not going to say I'm a victim to the way my parents did this or did that. I was just like, I'm taking personal responsibility. So as you rid yourself of all entitlement, you actually will become more empowered, my friends. It's one of the most freeing and most liberating and most like impactful times of your life. You say, I'm actually the one in control of my life. I'm not a victim to everybody else. I'm not a victim to all the circumstances of everybody else. of all the things that have happened to me, I'm going to be the one and remember this, the bigger the struggle you've been through, the louder the applause when you cross the stage. The bigger the struggle, the bigger the story. Like this moment, all these pains that you've been through, all these challenges that you've been through. This is the reason when you cross the stage, we're all going to standing ovation because we're going to be like anyone that can look at what you've been through and become the victor of that versus the victim of that. Like you're going to have our, our standing ovation. So it's not discrediting the pains that you've had. It's not discrediting all the challenges you've been through. It's simply saying you now get to be a total ownership of your life. Like, listen, I'm going to use these for good versus let these destroy the rest of my life. You know?
1: I love that. I feel like I often see that in the, you know, sphere of the motherhood community when, you know, you become a new parent, especially a new mom. And all of a sudden, um, you can quickly go into victim mode and, oh, well, you know, I have a baby now and look what, you know, motherhood did to me. I think I encounter that conversation a lot through my social media platform and like, you could see it that way. You can see it, like, look what motherhood did, look what, you know, postpartum, now I have, you know, no life and I have to manage my kids and I'm so over this. Or, you know, you can choose, like you were saying, the the state of your life in which you're going to operate. Okay, this is the situation. Not saying that being a parent is not hard. We all know that You know, life has its moments. Like you said, deal with the reality. But now, what are you going to make of the state of your life? You know, you can't continue to blame a situation until you have to, you know, force yourself to figure out how to make it wonderful. And so that's why I wanted to have you on. I just, I love all of the words you say. Anytime I see your Instagram post pop up, I'm like, what does Justin have to say? And but like you said, I think it's again, my listeners are mostly women and moms and surrounding yourself with content like that, um, that uplifting positive content again back to the motherhood sphere. I think that, you know, if you do start to surround yourself with the hot mom mess, the, you know, I'm gonna just wake up and, you know, get myself, it's like. You could create the state of your life as you wish, um, and, and you're deciding that every day. But you are the decider, right? And so just seeing people like you, I'm like, what is what is he doing? Because I want more of that in my life. And I think, you know, it's it seems so hard, like we were talking about earlier, but it's like just those little switches, those little switches in even a week, you could have a totally different life. And- Sometimes I wish more people would realize that. Well, thank you for your time, Justin. Is there anything you want to say to close it down to, you know, the, uh, we didn't even get to touch upon entrepreneurship and motherhood. Some of this podcast talks about too. you know, giving especially women the opportunity to start a business from the comfort of their own home. And I know that, you know, I was reading something on you. You said, I teach entrepreneurs how to create a life by design and earn a living from their phones. That's another thing too. And I love this with parents. I'm like, I had gone to business school. I got pregnant in business school. And then post-business school, I was like, I want to stay at home with my kids. And I saw everyone walking off to these jobs, which is great for them. But I was like, I want to stay home with my kids. And I want to start a successful business from home doing both. And so I love that you, can you, to close it down, can you touch on, you know, what that might look like to start for the person who may not think they have the time or, you know, the resources or the whatever, how would it look to start something from the comfort of wherever from your phone?
0: I mean, first of all, I'll bet you 90 to 95% of the people I work with are women. You know, they're, they're incredible women and powerful women and moms. In fact, I tell people, one of the things I get so passionate about is I'm going to have such a massive impact on the next generation of leaders in this country because I work with our moms every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I come pouring into all their moms, and their moms get to share all this stuff with their you know poured into their babies. You know, so for me, you know, there's a couple options you have if you want to make money online. You can do the influencer thing, which is great, but it's going to take you some time to build up the accounts. It's going to take you literally years to build up the the influence in the account. Um, second, you can do the Etsy thing, the Amazon thing again. It's, it's going to take you some time and some effort to figure that whole thing out. You can try and do the online course or coach, which again, I've made millions of dollars doing that, but I'll share this with you, dude. That is not awesome all the time. It's hard to build up the, the audience. Uh, coaching is a lot of exchange time for money. So what I love is I, I can help someone get started because we have the systems that we have in place to help someone get started and they earn money that day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like They're, they're profitable that day. And so what's cool with it is, you know, we teach people how to market on social media. If you have a great product, that's massively important. But then the second thing is people need to know about your great product, right? So we have the marketing built in to help people without spamming, bugging, annoying people, like actually attract business to you. And then third thing is we pay people twice per day. You know, we we, have a discount code discount link, we pay them twice per day to start referring customers to our site. And so it makes it a super simplistic way for someone to be able to start generating income online, uh, literally right away, right out of the gates, you know, you're in a, a community where you have great leadership and great mentorship. And, you know, you're so you're growing as a person, you're growing as an entrepreneur, you're growing as a leader, and you're finding ways to, to you know, monetize your time on, on social media and monetize your time just with your phone. I tell people, you want to be a creator, not just a consumer. A creator creates their life, a creator creates economic opportunity, a creator creates the vision that they have versus just consuming and watching everybody else, you know, do their thing. So, you know, Brooke, I love what you're doing. I'm super excited to kind of get to know you more, you know, uh, as we, as we build this, this friendship and relationship and, you know, anything I can do to support you. But I guess I would just leave your audience with this concept. It's just three simple words, which is be the one, be the one that lives a life, be the one that writes a story that future generations of kids that are yet unborn, they know who you are. You know, they look up in their family lineage. They say it was her. She's the one. And, you know, if you take your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents, your parents, that's over 12 generations. That's 4,094 people. You know, it's about 400 years going back up the line. 4,094 people came together from all over the world for you to have this moment, this life, this breath, like, this time is, was given to you and was paid for with their sacrifice, their blood, their sweat, their tears, their wins, their losses. And your great grandma gave you everything she had for you to have this moment. And so you want to be the one that lives a life and be the one that writes a story that the next future generations of kids look up and say, it was my great, great grandma. She's the one that taught us the economic principle. She's the one that ended the chains of abuse in this family or the divorce, you know, chains of divorce in this family or the, she's the one that taught us, you know, how to break free out of poverty. It was her in there telling your story. You're the one that changes it for everyone else. So, you know, this idea of be the one is just three simple words I'd encourage you to think about. And remember, it's not become the one, my friends. It's be the one. You already are the one. So it's you. (laughs) They've all done it for you. And it's your uh, job to step into it and go be that person.
1: I love that. Be the one. Thank you so much, Justin, for your time and showing people that that initial question you had of is this dream real? Should I chase the dream waking your up your wife up in the middle of the night and just being a full representation of that and inspiring people along the way. So I thank you for your time. And I look forward to next time, hopefully.
0: Hey, let's do it.
1: Yeah. And thank you all for listening to the at home startup podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Justin. I was so antsy to get him on the show. And quite frankly, when he agreed to come on the show, I was like, Oh my gosh, my listeners are going to love him. So much of his story. I hope you gathered that, you know, where he came from is not where he decided to end up. And the clear word there, the takeaway word there is decided. He decided that he was going to not create excuses, not blame the situation, but instead have that personal accountability, take control, and create the life that he wanted. And sure, along that process, he had created a company, I believe he said at the age of 25, that didn't go as planned. But with that hunger to succeed, that hunger to chase the dream, even in that moment when he questioned it. And to fight for the idea that it was in fact real, that's what I want people to take away from the conversation. You can set up your life any way that you want to. I mean, it got me ideas flowing. I was like, what do I want to be? What do I need to work on going into the new year? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And Justin encourages us. It's like, write it down. And then the priorities, what are those five priorities in your life? And within those five priorities, can you then break each priority into five things that you will accomplish? And don't just say you're going to do it, do it. And then if you need to change, change. Surround yourself with people who you aspire to be. So I'm just so grateful for Justin. I hope you got... So much out of the conversation. I will put all of his contact information, his Instagram account, which is just bite sized videos of all the good stuff that we talked about. I'll put that in the show notes. So definitely, definitely keep following along Justin Prince. And remember that sometimes you just have to switch out the playbook until next time on the at home startup podcast.